Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 23. Uh, how many of you have the, I'm not going to call you out to do this, but how many of you have memorized Psalm 23? One, two, three, that's it, four, five. Good. It's a really good psalm to memorize. Uh, probably the most popular psalm. Uh, does anybody know who wrote this one? David, yep. And so we're going to talk about the Psalms of David today. And I thought, you can't talk about the Psalms of David and not mention this one. And so I thought, let's read this one. Psalm 23 says this. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Lord, we, we pray to you now. We thank you for your, your mercy upon us, upon our lives, and that it, it can be like oil on our head that, that runs down our head, and that we can be um, just know that goodness and mercy is, is something you want for our lives. And Lord, as we read these Psalms today, as we look back to David and these, these Psalms that he wrote, these prayers to you, Lord, open our hearts, our minds to you, that we might understand more wisdom of who you are and, and more about prayer and the life you have before us. And so, Lord, we worship you. We praise your holy name. And everybody said, Amen. We're going to look at the Psalms of David today. And I, I thought I would um, kind of share a story because in some ways we're going to look at the Psalms of David that we know when he was, where he was, when he prayed them. And so this week I was uh, thinking about that and planning for this sermon. I thought, oh, that'd be cool for me to do, uh, kind of go back and look at some of my journals. Has anyone kept journals throughout your life, your Christian life? I have some journals uh, that date all the way back to when I became a believer in 1993. That's probably before some of you were even born, which is pretty cool. Uh, and so, so this week I was looking back through some of my journals. And, and the way I did it uh, is that I would write down like, things that were going on, where I was at the time, and kind of just a, a regular journal. And then usually upon every journal entry, I would write a prayer. At least a couple of years ago, there was this, this period of time for several years that that's what I would do. I'd write down kind of what was going on in my life and then a prayer. And I was just flipping through this week and looking at some of those. And I was just so encouraged by like, oh, this is where I was. This is when I was in life. This is the prayer I, pr- I prayed. And then I was looking back and kind of repraying that prayer and thanking God for, for like some of the prayers were asking God's help. And I was like, well, he did help me in that situation. And it, it all worked out and, and praise the Lord. And this, it was just such a cool experience. So today, that's what we're going to do with David's Psalms. There's several Psalms um, that say exactly where he was in the time of his life. It says, a Psalm of David when he uh, blank, blank, blank. And then it's like, oh, we know exactly where he was when he prayed this. And so that's what we're going to do today. Does this sound fun to you? It's, it's, in my mind, this lesson is the kind of the last lesson. It is the last lesson of our Psalms series. Um, and then next month will be a new topic. I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, it, it, this lesson has been like, like 
the thing I've been researching this whole month, because it took a lot of work and a lot of planning, a lot of research to, to, to find out where David was when he wrote these particular psalms that have these annotations. And so, anyways, I'm really excited about it. It it's, um, should be really good morning. So, uh, welcome to Sunday School. If you're new, we have uh, the, these little pieces of paper on your table, and you can fill it out with really as much or as little information as you want to give us. If you want to sign up uh, on an email list, we'll put you on. But if you don't, it's really no pressure. And if you fill out one of these cards, it's not saying that you're signing your life away to new life or becoming a member for the rest of your life. Um, it's just we just want to get to know you. If you would like an email or a phone call, I would be happy to do that. And we have a gift for you. So that's really, if you turn this card in, you get a gift. It's uh, our pastor, Brady uh, Boyd, wrote a book called Addicted to Busy. So we'll give you that book for free, no strings attached. Uh, and then there's also a CD in this little gift bag of our, uh, our worship band uh, put, put out a worship CD not too long ago. And so we want you to have it. So that's that. If you're new, uh, fill that out and then bring it. You'll, there'll be people as you leave, uh, and, and you can give it to them. And just a little heads up, in a couple weeks, we're going to do a little barbecue and Broncos Sunday school thing uh, just for fun. So um, anybody like the Broncos? Okay, good. Uh, this area does. Good. Um, and if you don't like the Broncos, we're going to put up a volleyball net, and we'll have some fun things to do, and we'll have some brats and some burgers or something, and we'll make it fun. So in a couple weeks, so not next Sunday, but the Sunday after is September 13th, after Sunday school, and then after big church, uh, we'll, we'll tell you more about where to go. We'll have a little flyer and handout, but to save the date for uh, September 13th, a little Broncos and barbecue fun uh, it's going to be at Victoria's house. So if, if you guys know Victoria, she says, uh, we were like talking about different places, like, oh, we can get a park, we can get this and that. And Victoria bragged about, well, one time we had 100 people in our house. Uh, and so I was like, well, would you want to do that again? She said, yes, she loves that idea. And her roommates love the idea. So that's where it's going to be. But more information about that to come, uh, but save the date. And also there's stickers. We still have some stickers. If you want to memorize Psalm 121, that was kind of our theme for the camping trip a couple weeks ago. You could memorize that, or you can, it's just kind of a challenge. Like some of you want to be challenged like this. And so I'm giving you a challenge. So if you wanted to memorize Psalm 121 or title each Psalm with your own personal title. So you would read, say Psalm 23, like we just did. And you would put your own personal title, like God, thank you for being my shepherd, could be your personal title for Psalm 23. So do that, and you get a sticker. It just kind of challenges the real prize would be memorizing Psalm 121. The real prize would be looking at all 150 Psalms and knowing that you read through them and you titled each one, and the, the real reward is that experience. So do that. Uh, let's get right into what we're talking about today. So if you open up your Bibles— to the Psalms, I imagine, uh, depending on your Bible, I think every Bible that I know, every, every translation that I know of, has these um, little uh, subtitles or these subscripts um, under some of the Psalms. So like Psalm 23, its subscript says, a Psalm of David. And they're often called subscripts, they're, they're called subtitles, they're called annotations or even musical notations. Some of them say to the tune of this or that, to the tune of do not destroy is one of the psalms. To the tune of a dead son is the, the subtitle of another psalm. To the tune of a doe in the morning, that's another subtitle uh, to a psalm. And so it's like musical annotations, or for some of them, they're the psalms of David when he, blank, 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 like the, when he was in this certain situation. So we're going to talk about David today, and we think that David wrote something like 73 of the 150 Psalms. That's just about half 
of the Psalms. And some people say maybe he even wrote more of them, and they're, they're just not annotated that way. And some people say, well, maybe he actually wrote less, and they're just attributed to David. That is a, a theory amongst uh, biblical scholars that, let's say, it, let's say you wrote a psalm, and it kind of sounded like some of the ones that David wrote, well, then you, would, you could put, oh, it's a psalm of David, just meaning this is the style uh, it's in. Like a, a, a song of rock and roll would be, oh, it's, just a, it's not a guy named rock and roll didn't write it, but it's in that style. So in the same way, some biblical scholars say, well, maybe David didn't write all of the ones that say a psalm of David. But most scholars say, well, he probably did. Let's not take away credit from this man. When, when he's talked about in the Bible, he's almost always uh, playing music or doing something with a harp. There's David in this picture, this painting, playing the harp or a psalterion. We, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. A psalterion is this musical instrument, and the very word psalm comes from the musical instrument, the psalterion, which is kind of cool. And we have in the text of Scripture, David singing and writing songs. We have David uh, and Saul. We'll talk a lot about that in just a second, who Saul is. Maybe some of you know, uh, but if you don't, we'll fill you in. To David's story, he plays the harp for Saul because Saul has these evil spirits or these evil moods come upon him. And David plays the psalterion, this harp, and then Saul is cured. It's kind of cool. So in the text of Scripture, we see David playing music, David writing songs. When Saul and Jonathan die in, in the book of Samuel, uh, it's, it says David wrote a song and had everyone in the country learn this song. At the end of Second uh, Samuel 22, David writes a song, and it's within the text of Scripture. So David is one who plays music, he sings songs, he writes prayers, and some of these prayers we know exactly when he was, where he was. So your discussion question, to let me be quiet for a second, and for you to chit-chat amongst your buddies at your table, is this. Uh, I'm trying to think if we should do open Bible or not open. Let's do not open Bible. Let this just the knowledge at your group. So you have to close your Bible, close your internet, uh, and just the knowledge of, of you and your friends at your table. And here's what you want. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, recall events. What events can you recall from David's life? So even if you're not a churchgoer, you probably know something about this guy named David. So write down as many events from his life as you can, and the group that wins, um, I don't know, what do you want, stickers? Just credit, stickers. Okay, stickers. So, so write down as many events as you can, just from your own knowledge, and I'll give you some stickers. All right, pins down. How many, uh, <laughs> how many of you guys uh, got one or more? Yay, you did it. Uh, even Boy got it. Good. Uh, how, many, how many of you listed the very first one, David and Goliath? You got that one. How many of you listed David and Bathsheba? Got that one. And then how many of you, that's all you got? <laughs> like, I don't know anything else. Um, how many of you got, I'd be impressed if you got five or more. Oh, almost everybody. Well, I'm impressed. Very impressed. How many of you got uh, 10 or more events? Oh, wow. We, got, we might have to give out a lot of stickers. Um, okay, count them up. How many of you got 15 or more events? Okay, I'm really impressed because I only gave you, what, like two minutes? Uh, not even. Um, okay, 20 or more? There's still these the three tables. Okay, we, I have enough because Drew got three sheets of stickers. So, I, Miss Annalise, if you would give a sticker to all. So how many did you? Let's see who the real winners are. 22? And you guys also got 20? Did you, did you copy their paper? Did you copy their paper? Uh, and how many did you guys get in the back? 
20. Good. So the, everybody gets stickers, 20, and then 22, and then tw- that's really impressive. Um, so the story of David starts in, uh, if you read the book of 1 Samuel, uh, it's the story of little Samuel becoming a prophet, and then uh, it's the story of Saul becoming king, and, and Samuel anoints Saul, and then Saul, this bad guy, uh, kind of messes up, and, and by kind of messes up, I mean royally messes up. He doesn't listen to the Lord, and so even though the Lord anointed him as king and made him king over Israel, the Lord then takes that away, and Samuel, the prophet, is sent out looking for a new king to anoint. And so the first thing we see in David, uh, of David's life, is, is this scene where he is anointed king over Israel, which is kind of cool. If you read this story, you can find it in 1 Samuel 16. Samuel is sent out, that's the prophet. Samuel the prophet is sent out to find a man after God's own heart. And, and so he's like, I'm, I'm ending Saul's reign, and now I'm going to find a man after my own heart. And Samuel is led by the Lord to this house, the house of Jesse. He's the dad, and Jesse has lots of sons, I believe seven or eight uh, sons, and he lines them all up. And uh, when Samuel, the prophet, sees the oldest one, Elab, he says, surely the Lord's anointed stands here. But then the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, do not consider the appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at these things. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so uh, Jesse's sons are all lined up, and Samuel's like, oh, I, I, maybe, I'm get, maybe I'm not hearing the Lord right on this. Uh, do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, yes, I have the runt. <laughs> this, I mean, he's like, <laughs> imagine being David in the scene. He's like, are all these your sons? Yes, these are all my sons. Do you have any more? Well, yeah, th- this kid, he's out in the field tending to the sheep. He's an idiot. Uh, he's just a little, you, surely you wouldn't want him. And, and he's like, go get him. And, and so they bring David, and then David stands before Samuel, and Samuel says, yes, this is the one. This is the one who is I'm going to anoint. And we think uh, that, I mean, just read Psalm 23 and the story of David being anointed. It's like, surely these two are paralleled. Surely David either wrote this right around when he was anointed or thinking back because it's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green. So it's referring to these times when he was a shepherd boy. And then he says, uh, the Lord anoints him and surely goodness and mercy will follow all the days of my life. And so David writes, probably writes this Psalm 23 in reflection of being anointed king. But that starts these series of events because he's anointed king, but he's just a little boy. Some, some people say maybe he was just 11 or 10 when he was anointed king over Israel. And so being anointed king and being king are two different things. And there's a lot of time in between being anointed, and actually being king. And some of those things we will talk about in just a few minutes. But what I wanted to say was um, this idea of David being a man after God's own heart. And, and in the New Testament, it's referred back to David as being like, oh, David, you know, the one who, who was, had the same heart as God. And so what was that? What did that look like? Um, what was it about David that David had the same heart as God? And I started thinking about the things of his life. And so here's a very short timeline. This particular timeline only has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things on it, which, which is very simplified, overly simplified. Um, but David is born. David is anointed uh, as king. 
uh, as future king, even though Saul, the bad guy, is currently king. And we call him the bad guy because he's, he's pretty bad dude. We'll talk about him quite a bit in a second. Um, and then there's the story of David and Goliath. And then uh, people love David. They start singing the song. Do you know the song they sing about David? Saul has killed his thousands. David his tens of thousands. And Saul hears that song. And do you think Saul is happy about that song or not happy? He's not happy. He's furious about that song because here's little David getting all this credit and Saul has only killed his thousands. David's killed his tens of thousands. Uh, And Saul gets really mad. And then there's this time in between uh, David defeating Goliath where Saul kicks him out of the kingdom or actually has to run because Saul wants to kill David. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. And then uh, he's finally, Saul dies. Uh, David is crowned king of Judah and then crowned king of over Israel. And right after that, there's this famous story of David coming back with the ark and dancing before the Lord. And he's kind of uh, indecently dressed. And one of his former wife's, uh, what's her name, Micah, Michael, uh, sees him. And then it kind of says, you know, how, how dare you, you know, get, get nearly undressed and dance. And David says the famous line, I will even become more undignified than this before the Lord in celebration. And that's a famous scene there. And then David's king, and then David and Bathsheba, that, that affair. And then David has a son, and one of the sons' names is Absalom. And Absalom tries to take over the kingdom. And so imagine your, your own son, or imagine you as a son, uh, hating your father so much that you would want to take over the kingdom. And then finally, David will, will die of natural causes. So I'm so, just thinking about this uh, all this week, thinking about, okay, that's David's life. And thinking about and rethinking about the story, I thought, David made a lot of mistakes. David was not this perfect individual, and yet he was still called a man after God's own heart. So I thought about his, some of his mistakes, and I started listing some. I said, well, of course, his biggest mistake that, that is very uh, well-known, infamous, is his affair with Bathsheba. So he's not a very good husband. He has an affair with this lady that he sees on the roof. And then to cover that up, he actually murders the guy who was married to Bathsheba, Uriah. He kills him. So he's not a very good person. He's not a very good husband. He's uh, uh, not a very, in that story, it says when, when the kings are supposed to go off to war, he stayed home and was watching girls on their roofs bathing. So he's not a very good warrior. He's not a very good leader. He's not a very good father. Uh, you could say, oh, Absalom uh, wanted to take over his kingdom and wanted to kill David. His own son wanted to kill him. So he's not a very good father, very dysfunctional. You read more about that story. He's not a very good leader. Um, in the sense that uh, if you read the story of David and Absalom, uh, D- David goes out to get Absalom, and he makes it very clear that Absalom is not to be killed. He's my own son. Do not kill Absalom. And one of his troops, the commander of the armies, his name is Joab. Uh, Absalom gets this weird story where uh, Absalom gets like stuck in a tree. You have to read it just to believe it. Uh, so his head gets stuck in a tree, and he's hanging there. And so all they had to do was, was cuff him. All they had to do was tie him up and bring him back to David. That's what they were supposed to do. David said, don't kill him. Uh, bring him back safely. I don't want my son dead. Even though he's trying to kill me and take over the kingdom, I don't want him dead. And what does Joab do? He kills him. And so, he's not, so Joab must have not respected David as a leader. 
Um, just he's, he's not a very good leader, not a good dad, not a good husband. Uh, he's not a very good person. He has, talks about some of the wars he does just to uh, take things from other people. So him and his men, if they needed supplies, they would go into a village and raid it. That's, I mean, that's not what you're supposed to do. That's like war crimes. Uh, not the best example of a dad, a leader, uh, a husband. Um, and yet he is still called a man after God's own heart. Well, stop and think about that for, for a little bit. He makes all these mistakes, really horrendous mistakes. Uh, one, uh, also, maybe the, one of the biggest mistakes that, that does more damage than maybe even his uh, affair with Bathsheba is that he doesn't do anything when his daughter, so this, this, uh, this, he has a daughter and a daughter, uh, uh, his, let's see, the, his son, a stepbrother, rapes his sister, and David's, David should have done something about this, but instead David does nothing. And that's when the kingdom starts to fall apart. That's when Absalom begins to hate his own father. And so he makes all these mistakes, and yet he's still called a man after God's own heart. So what is it about David that makes him this man after God's own heart? And maybe I'm a little biased because we're doing a series on the Psalms, but I thought, well, if anything, you know, all the mistakes this guy made, all the, the bad things he did and didn't do, He's still a man after God's own heart because this guy could pray. And we have his prayers. We have at least 73 of them that are attributed to this guy named David. And so whoever he is, whatever makes him a man after God's own heart, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think it's this guy could pray. And so we're going to look at the Psalms. Um, This will get a little nerdy. Um, And so it's it's our nerd alert. Um, so we're going to look at 14 Psalms uh, with the life subscripts. And so let, let's be clear about this. So there's lots of Psalms that say a Psalm of David. Uh, and 73 are attributed to David. But we don't know really when David wrote that for sure. There's a lot of guesses on a lot of these Psalms. Like a, a great guess of Psalm 23 would be, oh, David clearly wrote that probably referring to his time when he was anointed by Samuel. We could probably say, yeah, that's probably what he was thinking about that and then wrote that prayer, wrote that song out. Uh, But we're not sure. He could have wrote it at a different time. He could have wrote it um, about thinking about something else. He could have just been writing about uh, his whole life and how the Lord is his shepherd. Um, But there's 14 Psalms that specifically say where David was when he was praying this prayer. And so what I've done is gone through and, and listed those out for us, all 14 of them, and uh, we're going to look at them. We're going to look at all 14 in David's life. And I think we're going to glean a lot of information about this guy. And we're going to glean a lot of information about prayer. And we're going to glean a lot of information about what I think is the reason why David was called a man after God's own heart, because he could pray, and he prayed really well. In fact, so well that some of these prayers were written down, and we still have them to this day. I mean, think about when David lived. Uh, probably something, something like 3,000 years ago, and here we are still reading and saying these prayers that were written down uh, a very long time ago. So, this is the real meat of the lesson. Uh, it's going to get a little nerdy. It's going to get lots of information. Uh, they tell you when you're making slides not to put tons of information on a slide because it'll overwhelm people. But then I thought, you could handle it. You're Sunday school. Um, so there's, it's, I'm about to give you a lot of information. So stick with me. Don't let your eyes glaze over. If you need to go back and get another cup of coffee, you do that. Um, but stick with me. I think there's a whole bunch we can learn right now um, by, by comparing David's life and when he wrote these psalms. 
So, out of the 14 Psalms, this you might find very fascinating. But out of the 14 Psalms, we know when they were written. 10 of the 14 were written while running from Saul. So in between the time of David and Goliath and then Saul getting really jealous of David, there's this story in the book of Samuel of David playing his harp for Saul and then Saul, just in this fit of anger, picks up his spear and throws it at David to kill him. I mean, it's like stuff, you, you, like, who does that? Saul does that. He's a bad dude. Uh, then Saul says, David, um, I have a daughter for you to marry if you will join the army. And what he really wanted to do, because it says this in the text, is that he really wanted David to die. And he thought, oh, if I put him in the war and, and send him out to a heavy battle, then he will die. And so I've heard a lot of stories. Some of you have told me about uh, if you like a girl, then you will ask the dad's permission to marry that girl. That's a great idea. You should do that, uh, guys. And so, so think about this for just a second. David is offered, uh, so Saul, the dad, comes to David and says, would you like to marry my daughter? He, of course, says, yes, I would. She's awesome. And I, I could be your son-in-law. And then right before they get married, guess what Saul does? He gives his daughter to some other dude. What? Like, that's a bad father-in-law. That's horrible. I've heard some horrible stories of, of young men asking dads, and then the dad just, like, waiting a long time before he responds, or kind of saying no. Like, that's pretty bad. But this is even worse. It says yes, and then right before they get married, he, he gives his daughter to somebody else. That's a bad dude. So David and Saul are not getting along very well. Uh, Saul tries it again with his daughter, Michael or Micah. Uh, He says, uh, how about this daughter? If you go into this serious battle and kill all these Philistines, then you could have my other daughter instead. And David does it. And Saul thought he was going to die. He doesn't die. And And then Saul just gets so mad at David, he has this plan to kill him. And so what does David do? He gets out of there. And so we have all these psalms of David running around, running through the the desert, running through the mountains, uh, to these different places. Some people join him, some people uh, leave, some people tattletale on where he is at different points. But 10 of these 14 psalms are written in that time when David is running from Saul. And so here they are. Uh, in, in not really a particular order, but uh, this one probably is first. This one is right when Saul really wants to kill David. He sends people to his house to watch him and to kill him. And so it says this, Psalm 59, for the director of music to the tune of Do Not Destroy of David, a miktam, when Saul had sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him. And then you could read Psalm 59. It's, it's a psalm of deliver. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. And so we have this insight. We, we know exactly when David wrote this particular psalm. And so that's like, oh, that's cool. If you're ever running for people, and if you have an enemy that really wants to destroy you, well, David has been there and done that. And he wrote this wonderful psalm to the Lord, asking for help, asking for him to be delivered from his enemies. So that's the, the first one we'll look at. Uh, the, the next one is uh, just kind of a general running from Saul. Psalm 7 says that when he was running, uh, let's see, taking refuge from a Benjaminite. And uh, a Benjaminite, Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. So most people assume, oh, this is clearly uh, David running from a Benjaminite. And he says this, Lord, my God, I take refuge in, in you. Save and deliver me from all those who pursue me. Psalm 52 is a, a psalm of David when 
Um, basically, someone tattletales on him. Uh, there's this guy. So David runs from Saul. It's like one of the first things that happens after he starts running from Saul. He goes and gets supplies from this priest. And uh, Doeg the Edomite, that's a, a weird name, Doeg. Sounds like a bad guy, doesn't it? Doeg the Edomite. He tattletales on David and says, uh, David went to the priest and got supplies and some weapons. And then Saul goes in and kills all the priests in that town and then goes to the next town and kills all the priests and all the family members of those priests. And David finds out about this. And uh, David is not happy at all. And so he writes a psalm, uh, a song, Psalm 52, is a psalm against Saul. It says, why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God. So it's the psalm of, of vengeance towards uh, Saul. We talked a little bit about this last week. Like, what do you do with those vengeance psalms? They are prayers to the Lord at times when you are very angry. And we kind of made this conclusion that, no, it's not right. It's not good to be mad at your enemies and want them to be destroyed. But what if you're feeling that? And we said, well, if you're feeling that, well, then give it over to God. Pray that out. And so that's exactly what David does. Uh, psalm 54 is a psalm uh, similar when, when some people tattletale on where David is. And so David's running around, hiding in these different places. And then this, these Zephonites tell Saul, David went over there. And David says, Psalm 54, save me, O God. O God, by your name, vindicate me by your might. And he does. This is the story when David uh, sneaks up on Saul when he's sleeping and takes Saul's spear, and he could have killed him right then and there. Saul's sleeping. David has Saul's own spear, and instead of killing him, he takes the spear and a water jug and runs uh, away, and then Saul wakes up, and then David from a a safe distance says, look, Saul, I have your stuff. I could have killed you. And Saul's like, yeah, where's my stuff? He's got my stuff. I guess he could have killed me. Um, (laughs) And and Saul, at least for that moment, says, okay, I'll leave you alone for a little while. Um, But then he doesn't. There's still some wars and battles that happen. Um, So continuing on, are you sticking with me? I realize this is kind of heady stuff. It's like fitting David's life into these Psalms. So it's a lot of head knowledge here. But I think there's a whole bunch we can learn. Psalm 56 says that uh, after getting seized by the the, in Gath. So David uh, goes to the city. He's running from Saul and he needs some sort of civilization, food. Well, I don't know why he decides to go to Gath, but he goes to Gath because that's where the, uh, that's where the Philistines are from and that's where uh, Goliath is from. So do you think David would be welcomed into Gath? No, probably not. Um, he goes there and he says, Psalm 56, uh, Be merciful to me, O God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit all day long. They press their attacks. So David must have been in some dire situation where he goes to his a different enemy's hometown and, 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 and stays there. And then people find out who he is. And th- so then the story goes that he uh, pretends to be crazy. Like he starts drooling and foaming at the mouth and running around like a, literally a madman. And he's brought before the king of Gath. And the king of Gath uh, takes one look at David and says, get this guy out of here. Clearly this isn't the same guy. And Dave, that's a success in David's life. So, so that success in faking insanity, get, he is able to get free from Gath, and he writes a psalm um, in that moment, writes Psalm 34. It says, when David pretended to be insane before the king, and it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. 
A famous uh, line that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Another famous line in this psalm says, I called and you answered. And we have songs about that. And David kind of wins this battle in that he, he pretends to go crazy, kind of just presses his luck, and it actually works. And wow, yeah, David is freed. How cool is that? And he, he says this psalm of praise. Think about, maybe write down Psalm 34. The next time you're, like, you do great on a test, or next time you win uh, the game or something, this would be a wonderful psalm to say. It gives all the credit to the Lord. So continuing right along, uh, there's, there's three psalms that specifically say when he's either hiding in a cave or whether he's in the desert, like hiding and running. So Saul at one point has 3,000 men trying to find David. Imagine yourself, like look out into the hills over there. There's Mount Hermon over there and Pikes Peak over there. Imagine 3,000 people are trying to find you to kill you, and you're just off in the woods trying to hide, you and a couple buddies who have surrounded themselves with you. Three of the Psalms that David writes that we know exactly where David was says specifically when he was in a cave or when he was in the desert out hiding from Saul. Psalm 142 says, I cry aloud all day long. I lift my voice up to you for mercy. Psalm 57 starts off with, uh, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me for in you I take refuge. I take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. In Psalm 63, um, says, you, O oh God, are my, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. This is the one where he's in the desert. Um, I am in a dry and parched land, and there is no water. So he's crying out to God, saying these different psalms, um, asking for the Lord's help while he is in such great distress. So skipping ahead just a tad. Um, I wasn't going to have a different discussion there, but uh, to save time, uh, I'll skip to uh, Psalm 18. This is after all is said and done, and finally Saul ends up uh, dying. David uh, writes this psalm, Psalm 18, a victorious psalm, uh, after he has defeated all his enemies and God has saved him from the hand of Saul. Uh, he says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So these are all the Psalms, 10 Psalms, like you can count them all up. 10 of the 14 Psalms where we know exactly where David is uh, are, are in this time period. Very stressful time when he's running away from Saul and Saul is trying to kill him. These 10 Psalms. And then we have four more Psalms, which we'll quickly go over. Psalm 60. It's a psalm, he says, right before he ends up winning a battle. But before you fight a battle, you don't know whether you're going to win it or lose it for sure. So he cries out to God and says, God, save me, help me. Uh, You have rejected us, God, but would you come to us and restore us now? And then David ends up winning this battle. Uh, Psalm 51, which we'll take some more time in just a second and look at this particular one. Because this is probably the most famous of David's psalms. Because this one is the one he says right after his affair with Bathsheba. So he sees, it says, it starts off with, in the springtime when the kings are supposed to go off to war, uh, David stays home. He's, he's out looking through his uh, window and he sees Bathsheba on the, the roof bathing. That's just not a good place to bathe. I've, I've, have you ever thought of that? Like, why is the woman on her roof naked? Like, wh- what was she thinking? Um, and then David looks at her, sees her, wants her, goes and sends for her, sends men to her house to come get her. And so, like, you, maybe you wonder what kind of choice did she have in this matter? Maybe not much. She comes, uh, they, they have an affair, and then David ends up killing 
uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. I mean, a horrible situation. And yet this man is still considered a man after God's own heart. It's, it's uh, interesting to think about. The prophet Nathan goes to David and says, David, you have sinned against the Lord. He has this really cool analogy. He says, there's two men, a rich man and a poor man. The poor man just has one little baby lamb that he lives with and he like kisses this little baby lamb. He loves this lamb. And then there's a rich man with lots of lambs. Or is it sheep? Plural of lamb? Anyways, um, there's a rich man with lots of lambs and he needs to have dinner for this man that comes and visits. And so the rich man, instead of taking one of his hundreds of lambs, he takes this poor man's lamb, the only thing he has, this little ewe lamb, and he kills it. And David says, who is this man? We've got to find him. We've got to kill him for doing this horrible thing. And Nathan says, you are that man. You've taken Bathsheba. You were the rich man in the story. And we're not talking about sheep. We're talking about people here. And you have sinned against the Lord. And this very famous psalm that is written, Psalm 51 you begin to see the, the, the mercy that David asked for. You begin to see how, how his heart was so grieved from this sin. Psalm 51 is after he has this affair. He says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, wash me thoroughly from my sin. Cleanse me. You and you alone have I sinned against. And it goes on to, to say, you know, free me, save me from these sins. Wash me, Lord. Please, I am, I'm a sinner before you. This, the only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Lord, you will not despise. And it's this beautiful, and we'll look at it as a, as a table's in just a second, because it's well worth our time to look at this particular psalm and, and pray it over us. So that's Psalm 51. And then two more. Uh, psalm 3 is a psalm that David writes while running from his own son, Absalom. And, and we see Absalom's his own son that wanted to take over the kingdom. And uh, it says this, Lord, how many are my foes, how they rise up against me. That's how it starts. And then finally, this last of these 14 psalms, Uh, that we're looking at today that have subscripts of David's life is Psalm 30. It says, a Psalm of David for dedication of the temple. And what's interesting to note is that David wasn't there at the dedication of the temple. It was his son, Solomon, that ends up building and then dedicating the temple to the Lord. But David wrote this Psalm, and it says that in the text of Psalm 30. Psalm of David for the dedication of the temple. And it's uh, a Psalm he must have wrote in hopeful anticipation of one day there being a temple and it being dedicated. And it says something like this, I will exalt the Lord at all times. You, Lord, have lifted me up. uh, Verse 4 says, I sing praises to the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. And then a famous line, uh, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And another famous line in this particular psalm, you turned my weeping into dancing. So there we have it. So take a second and look at it. Um, There's a lot to look at. It's not a very good slide. If you're into giving presentations, they tell you not to put this much information on one slide. But I did it, and hopefully you can handle it, and hopefully you see, like, oh, these are 14 psalms that we know where David was when he wrote them. And it gives me a lot of encouragement to think, wow, these are these are intense psalms. David was not, uh, in many, many cases, David was not the, the best of examples. Specifically, 
Psalm 51. He has an affair. And yet this psalm is so rich in that it shows us how to repent before the Lord. We could model this prayer for our own life because we are all in need of repentance. And so as we conclude today, um, I want to give you just a little bit of time to, to go and look at Psalm 51. We're going to do it in a, in a way that's hopefully kind of beneficial to you. Um, but we talked a little while ago. Every Sunday we've been ending with read a psalm as a table. And, and pray it as a table. So read and pray this psalm. We're going to do something kind of like that. But a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how, uh, how we learn things. And so how, like the question, like, how do you learn how to pray? Well, you get some information on how to pray. And then you, what you should do is imitate people that have prayed well. And I, I've been kind of arguing that psalms are a great way to imitate prayer. Reading and praying through the psalms are a great way to imitate uh, great prayers before God. And then eventually, you could work to innovation, like making up your own prayers, innovating your own prayers. And we, as you know, a culture that loves new stuff and innovation, we love to skip right to that, that step of innovation. Like, oh, tell me how to pray. Okay, I'm just going to start praying my own way, and I'm just going to in- innovate all these new great ways to pray before God. And I would say that kind of skips the step of imitation. You, you should pray prayers that other people have prayed. You should pray in a way that, that, that other people have prayed, people that you love and respect and look up to in Christ. And so what we've done this month is a lot of imitation. We've, we've ended every Sunday school with, okay, read and pray uh, through this psalm and then just say amen. And so in some ways we're going to do that again, but here's what I want to do. I want to take Psalm 51. So I'm going to read this psalm and I'm going to read it very slowly. And I've given you some space uh, uh, at the bottom of your notes, to, to kind of write your own prayer. And if you wanted to write it in a journal or a different piece of paper, that is totally fine. But here's what I want you to do. Take out a pencil or paper and a pen, um, something to write with, something to write on. And as I read for us Psalm 51, what I want you to do is write down a prayer that is kind of modeled after Psalm 51. And uh, so what, like it starts with, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy great mercy, according to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. So that's the first line of Psalm 51. You could write down something personal like, uh, God have mercy because this morning I uh, got mad and, and, and said something I shouldn't have, or whatever, whatever comes to your mind, this is a personal prayer. This is an innovative prayer modeled after Psalm 51. And then uh, here's what we'll we'll do after that. So as a table, and you could, I really want you to feel the freedom to write something very personal. So you don't have to show other people at your table. But what I want you to do is to kind of talk about that experience and maybe come up with one prayer that's that's much shorter. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 51 has almost 20 verses. So come up with a short prayer modeled after Psalm 51 as a table. So here's what we're gonna do. Everyone will, will write down a prayer. I'm going to read Psalm 51, and then you're going to take those notes and either share the, about the experience or share, I mean, if you're comfortable enough, share about what you wrote. I mean, think about it this way. David messed up royally, like really bad, with Bathsheba, writes down a psalm or a song, and then it gets written down, and then here we are 3,000 years later talking about this guy's mistake and talking about a psalm he wrote in uh, in asking for mercy from the Lord because of the mistake he made. Like, we are all better Christians. We are all better God followers because we have this very personal prayer of David. So I would encourage you to 
I don't know, maybe be bold in, in sharing what you write down. But if it is personal, then, then by all means, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really challenging you to do that. There's a time and a place for that. But uh, I guess it is a challenge. So anyways, Psalm 51. So write down just kind of what comes to your mind, a prayer based upon this. So it says this, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy great mercy. According to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2 says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. So thou art justified in thy sentence blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desires truth in my inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Fill me with joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Verse 9 says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors their ways and sinners will return to thee. Verse 14 says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of thy deliverance. Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For thou hast no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, thou would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Do good to Zion in thy good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the last verse says, Then... Will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings? Then the bulls will be offered on thy altar. So take a minute and, and finish that prayer. Write down some thoughts. And then, and then do this. this will, I'll pray for us and this will kind of be our dismissal. But as a table, um, if the first step would just be to talk about the experience. Like, well, what kind of prayer did you write? What kind of prayer did you write? Uh, I wrote this. I wrote that. Uh, and then if you have time and, and you, you would like to do this uh, as a table, write down uh, maybe one prayer that is like, well, we all said this and that. Write down a short, maybe like a two or three verse prayer modeled after Psalm 51. And if you're willing, uh, kind of like what David did, somehow 
people got a hold of this prayer, and people began sharing this prayer, and it really did encourage people, encouraged other believers. Throughout 3,000 years of history, this prayer has brought a lot of peace to people after they've sinned. And if you're willing, uh, I would love to see these prayers, um, if, if you maybe copy it and paste it onto Facebook or Instagram, uh, I, would, I would be encouraged by these. I'm sure other people may be very encouraged. Some of you are very artistic. Some of you are very poetic. And so by sharing your, your, these prayer poems, I guess, modeled after 51, I hope that others would be encouraged. So you could, you could do that. We have a Facebook page and hashtag Sunday School. Uh, the Sunday School is our kind of hashtag so other people can find them. But let me pray over you as kind of we can conclude here. And if, you, if you're able to stick around for just a little while, uh, talk about that experience. So, Lord, we, we come before you. You are a holy, awesome God. And, and God, as we reflect on David and his life, and we see that he is a man after your own heart, Lord, would you encourage us with prayer? Would you encourage us by imitating what the prayers David has prayed, the prayers acceptable to you as, as right and as holy? Um, and Lord, we, we want to be people who are also wonderful at praying. We want to be people who are after your own heart. So Lord, teach us to pray. You're, you're a holy, awesome God, and we love talking and communicating with you. So we praise you, Lord. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.